0: I'm so excited. We're going to talk through some stuff that's really fun to me this morning. I've been really looking forward to being with you guys. I feel, even as we prayed this morning before church got started, just this expectation that God was really going to meet us in a really special way and um, just get rid of our limitations that we might have placed on him without realizing it. So I feel excited for what he's going to say. And I'm going to pray for us and then jump in. Father, I thank you for being with us, for just being more than we could hope or imagine. Jesus, I thank you that you are um, what we need and what we long for, God. I thank you that us having you this morning is more than enough. It's more than we could hope or imagine. So, Father, I ask that you would come um, and speak and move. Holy Spirit, we want more of you. We don't want to come to church just to do church. We want to come because we have... Um, an expectation that you actually want to encounter us and transform us in such a way that the world would be um, a a place of encounter when we walk into it for others to encounter your hope and your goodness, God. We love you this morning. We trust you. Amen. Amen. I'm mainly praying for me because, as you can tell, I am very pregnant. And Jeff, even yesterday, I was trying to communicate, and all I was trying to say is, I spilled this, can you help me? And I like I couldn't, I was like, where are my words? I know they talk about pregnancy brain, but I really didn't have any. I was just like, uh, uh. <laughs> Come help me. <laughs> and he was like, Just tell me what you need. I was like, I can't. So, this morning, the Holy Spirit is going to help me communicate. So, <laughs> I'm thankful for that. Okay, we're going to jump in. If you have your Bibles, we're going to actually be in a passage in John chapter 5. We're going to look at the healing at the pool of Bethesda this morning. And I, I'm sure if you've been in the church, you've heard this story or it could be familiar to you, but I really. I um, want to focus on a few things that God has just been stirring in my own heart in this passage, specifically about Jesus. Um, we might talk about the man a little bit, but I really want to focus on Jesus and what he's doing and exceeding expectations in this passage. So why don't you turn there? We're going to read it together. I don't think it's behind me. Okay. John chapter five, the healing at the pool. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish, fe- Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda and which is surrounded by five cupboard colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, the one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else just goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that, that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sitting or Something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. Okay, we're going to stop there. There's so much about the story that's happening Um, that if you just have time and want to know Jesus more, spend time on your own in this passage. I feel like God um, never wants to not encounter you through the word. And so we're not going to talk through it all, but there's some really interesting things about this that I want to get into. But before going into some of the context of what's happening, obviously when you're reading this passage, you can see that this man had been there for 38 years waiting for his healing. Um, It was a place that in Bethesda, obviously, if you look it up, the words, a house of mercy or place of mercy, but also in Aramaic, it means shame. So it was this tension of people would come and gather, hoping for mercy for their bodies. They actually believed at this pool that an angel would stir the waters, and when it would bubble and stir up, if you were the first one to the water, you could be healed potentially. It was like this, like, I think this could maybe happen, and it has happened, we think. So there was this, like, mercy element and a place of shame where all of these people who weren't accepted in society, who had no means of doing anything to provide for themselves, were just laying there hoping that at some point, maybe, I would get into the pool and be healed. It was this place of mercy and a place of shame. And so this man had been there for 38 years and I I love picturing being in the story. Um, if I had been there for 38 years, at this point, I'm probably not actually hopeful that if I got into the water, I would be healed. I'm just actually just there at that point. I probably would be like, okay, well, here's what my life is like. Um, but I love how Jesus comes and changes everything when he comes. That's one of my favorite aspects of Jesus. If he comes and shows up, you know he's going to change everything. And so... We're gonna look at four or five things that Jesus is pointing out in this scripture that I hope will encourage you. The first one is never too late with Jesus. I love that it's never too late. He's never, um, he's never uh, late to show up to something. He's never gonna come and actually. Oh, sorry. If I would have come twenty years ago, maybe this would have happened. But now, I don't think you have a chance. He's never too late. Um, One of my favorite aspects of Jesus showing up is he's not just not too late, but he's going to exceed the expectation I had in the first place. When he comes, he's actually going to exceed my expectation. And this man didn't expect for Jesus to, he didn't even know that was Jesus. He's sitting there like, why are you asking me if I want to get well? (laughs) Like, I'm here at the pool. (laughs) Obviously something's wrong with me. He didn't actually expect in that moment Jesus to heal him. He expected Maybe he'd offer him to help him into the pool when the water stirred. Maybe that would be it, but he actually didn't expect him to be healed. So not only was he not too late for him, he actually exceeded his expectations. I um, wanted to share this story. I've told it a few times. So if you've heard it before, we'll hear it again. Um, (laughs) I encountered God when I was 17 in a really significant way that is another story but one of my favorite aspects of meeting Jesus I had been running from the Lord I was in my dorm room this is about 14 years ago in college and I was laying on the ground just like crying out to God I was so broken and as I cried out to him he encountered me in in such a powerful way and in this moment with God he began to show me these things about who he was, about, about what he was going to do for me, and he started showing me pictures and visions of my life and giving me hope for my future, and um, one of my favorite things he did is he showed me pictures, gosh, I'm going to cry like a baby, he showed me pictures of my daughters, and I remember, like, like, that's amazing, God, like, I knew when I got up, I wasn't going to live the same, like, I knew when I got up from meeting with Jesus, I was actually... Everything was going to be with them in mind. Like my eyes were going to be changed. I wasn't going to live any way that, that I had been. But in that moment, these pictures of, it was also girls that weren't my biological daughters. Um, and most of y'all know I ran a girl's home for a little while. But um, so he showed me a picture of my daughter and I found out we were pregnant and we thought it was a boy. So we have a son and we found out in December I took an at-home test. And it was like, congratulations, you're having a boy. I was like, great, we were excited. Harrison was gonna have a brother for two months. We, from December to February of this past year, we were like, okay, we're gonna have two boys, and we hadn't told anyone because I was like, maybe I took the test wrong. I don't know. I just was, for whatever reason, this time, not sure of my ability to take the test at home by myself. And on our anniversary, I went in for a sonogram, and the lady was like, oh, so do you know what you're having? I'm like, yeah, I do. She's like, don't tell me, don't tell me. I want to figure it out. Like, I'm really good at this. I haven't gotten it wrong in 10 years. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> and so I'm like, I already know. And she's like, okay, well, she knew I had a son. She's like, did the test tell you you're going to even out your teams ho- at your house? I was like, no, <laughs> the test did not tell me that. And so she's kind of vaguely saying, she's like, no, no, you're having a, a girl. And I was first shocked. And I was like, she's wrong. <laughs> like, She can't be right. And then instantly, I was flooded from 14 years ago. Since that day, it's been one of the things I've prayed for for the longest, for my daughter, like for my daughters. For 14 years, I've been praying and knowing it would come, but not knowing if it would come biologically because we've already had one, and here was our second, and it was a boy. And for 14 years, getting to see the fulfillment of that promise, like it exceeded my expectations. I I didn't know actually how... Much I would feel the faithfulness of God in that moment when he said, your daughter, like you're going to have a girl. And that man for 38 years wanted to be healed. It wasn't too late. Like 14 years is not that long for me to wait for the fulfillment of this promise in my life. And so I, I feel like even for some of us in the room, you actually have promises that are 14 years, 30 years, 50 years, two years that you're actually believing God that this is going to happen and you haven't seen the fulfillment of it, um, it's never too late for Jesus. It's never too late for him to come. And when he does, it will exceed your expectations, even if it doesn't come how you think it's going to come. Because I was pretty sure we were having a boy this time, and I was going to find my daughter somewhere on the street or adopt, or we were going to have a girl. But it came, and it was better. It was better than what I expected And the other thing that uh, is true about Jesus, he's never too late, but he also, um, oh, sorry, tissues, let me get there, he came, oh, sorry, oh, here we go, I actually, I want to point out this first, sorry, um, thanks, love, I'll probably cry again, he knows, um, one of the, th- the things about this passage that I'm so drawn to is when he asks the man, do you want to get well? And he says, sir, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone gets down ahead of me. His attention uh, was on what he didn't have. Like he actually didn't have someone to help him. So Jesus is like, do you want to get well? And instead of the answer of, yeah, I do, or even knowing that in that moment, even if he even wanted to, It doesn't say, but he only can think of what he doesn't have. He doesn't have someone. He doesn't have a friend. He doesn't have someone helping him. And if he did, he can't get there fast enough. He's only focused on what he doesn't have. Our attention on what we don't have will always keep us from seeing what Jesus is actually offering to us. The man offered him the reasons why he was not being healed. And I love that even though his attention wasn't on... Um, what Jesus was actually offering to him in the moment, Jesus still healed him. Like how kind of Jesus that he still healed him. Um, Jesus didn't actually look in the the group of people to be healed and think, "Who's gonna do the most after I heal them for me? Who's gonna keep following me after I heal them?" Like later on in the story, you saw Jesus saw him and he's well. He's like, hey, stop sinning. (laughs) So he wasn't like, I got healed. And then he lived this like holy life and followed Jesus with all of his heart. He actually, in some ways, was sinning because Jesus called him out on it afterwards. So Jesus didn't go find someone to heal because he knew that the fruit was going to be that person's going to serve me or that person's going to love me, or this is going to be the most strategic move for my team. Like, let me find, you'll probably be the best. Okay, I'll heal you. I'll offer you my whatever it is in that moment. And Jesus wasn't limited by seeing someone um, that might not actually do anything with the healing. I feel like for us, how often we're limited because we determine the outcome before offering the hope we have to Jesus in the world. Like how often are we like, I don't know if I should give that money to that man because maybe he's probably just going to spend it on this. Or maybe I shouldn't pray for healing for that person because even if they got healed, like they'll probably go back to the same life. Like we determine and we choose and put limitations on what we expect will happen after and decide how much we want to love based on that. And Jesus didn't do that. Jesus actually chose to heal this man regardless of what he was going to do with it afterwards. He chose to offer up resurrection life in that moment, not expecting anything in return. We actually aren't called to love other people expecting something in return. I love that Jesus shows that. I love that his kindness towards this man isn't based on whatever his outcome will be after he gets healed. Jesus exceeds our expectations and doesn't show up how we think he's going to. And this story is so obvious of that. I already touched on this, but he came in all the ways we didn't expect. Um, Jesus just walked up straight to him, he heals him. And I I find it so interesting how we decide in our minds when we're dreaming with God or believing God for things, this is probably what it's gonna look like. Like we've already laid out the expectations. This man wasn't waiting on someone to help him. I feel like I'm the queen of adjusting expectations, or I have been. Oh, I don't want to be disappointed, or I've been hurt before, so I'll adjust my expectations of what I'll believe God for so that I'm not hurt, or then I won't be disappointed. So like, oh, okay, I'll believe God for this, but only as much as it doesn't cost me the potential of pain or disappointment. I, I love that Jesus didn't do that. He didn't do that. And he always is going to exceed our expectations. What I, I, oh yeah, sorry, let me just get back to minutes. Okay. Oh, even when it doesn't happen, it's still going to exceed our expectations. I did want to say one other thing about this. Because I feel like so often in the church, people get disappointed and they stop hoping for things. Or they stop believing God for things. As the people of God, as the people of faith, they often will stop believing God because they've been disappointed and I was just sitting with God on this and I remember finding out the first time I was pregnant with Harrison and I told you this beautiful encounter I was convinced we were going to have girls because I had this encounter with God and I, um, I found out we got pregnant and in my mind I'm like oh no we celebrate no matter what of course I'll be happy either way but I had this like thing I had held so tightly to of I'll, I'll have a daughter though so this is probably going to be a girl and we found out it was a boy and if you know my son now you'll think this is the craziest thing because I think it's crazy but I I wept in my bedroom I was like I can't tell anyone because they'll think I'm not going to love him I will love him but I wept because I was like oh actually there's a place I don't trust God to deliver on the promise and I'm afraid that I'm hoping for this thing I'll never have and I was real in the moment I allowed like We allow pain and real things to take place and grieve and be honest with God. But if we landed there, if I landed there, I had no idea how Jesus was still going to exceed my expectations in giving me a son. Like, I wanted a daughter first. That's what I thought I wanted. And my expectation was that it was going to look like that. And he exceeded my expectation by giving me something else than the thing I had been praying for. And I think that we're not always open to looking different than what we expect it to. And if you see Harrison now, you're like, oh my gosh, have you ever met a cuter kid in the world? No, probably not. (laughs) He is so sweet. And God knew I needed my firstborn to be a son. He knew I needed Harrison. And he knew that even though it was different than what I was expecting, that it's best, he actually was going to give me his best instead of just what I expected. And so... Um, (laughs) the worst thing we could do as the people of God is to stop hoping dreaming believing Jesus can actually do more than we could hope or imagine when we do we put our circumstances or our hope in our circumstances or on our own abilities or on our lack that is where we place our hope and the world's already really good at that They don't need the church to be good at that. We are called by God with the power of Jesus in us to believe. We're not called to put our hope in the things that are going to disappoint. Um, The heart sickness of hopelessness will be far worse than than grieving the pain with Jesus and then choosing to trust him again. Heart sickness is real when you're disappointed. Like, it's real to feel pain and disappointment. So, And when I'm talking, Jesus exceeds our expectations. He does. But there are moments where you can be disappointed. Um, and heart sickness, when hope is deferred, is a real thing. But choosing to trust him again will always be better than landing in a place of heart sickness. Very good. I love that Katia actually shared this earlier. um, And through worship, it was just a beautiful thread. Um, Even as we sang about the extravagance of God, um, what what do you want? What do you want from Jesus? Like that question. Jesus is like, do you want to get healed? Um, And I remember when I ran this girl's home, it was a dream, like a, a dream God gave me when I was 17. And five, six years later, I started this girl's home and I was running it with a friend and we saw girls coming off the streets. And girls encountering God and getting saved, and girls pulling knives on us. It was crazy, and it was a dream, and I loved it. And then he asked me through several different um, prophetic words and encouragements and wisdom to walk away from that for a season. And I was so devastated that I was gonna surrender this, like, ah, but this is, you gave me this dream, God. And afterwards, I remember processing, I left that role before knowing what I was doing next. And so I didn't have a job. I left this dream. I'm like sitting in my room like, what am I doing with my life kind of moment. And um, I heard God ask, like, well, what do you want? Like, just tell me what to do, and I'm going to do it. Like, just tell me. Uh, You tell me, because I'm pretty exhausted after that last thing we just did. Like, how about you just tell me what, what to do, and then I'll do it. And he just kept saying, well, what do you want? And I was so afraid to answer him. Because I was like, oh, am I going to be disappointed? If I, if I tell you, are you going to then be like, great, uh, give it back to me, bye. Which it wasn't what he was doing at all, but I was so afraid that I was going to be disappointed. And so I sat with it for a few months, and then I heard him again, what do you want? And I heard him say, ask me what you want, and I'll give it to you. And that is a like a scary and like holy moment with God. So I have like really great community around you if you feel like God's telling you that because He probably is. But I, I brought it around friends. Who, I was like, He's just saying like, What do you want? I'll give it to you. And so I just wrote down this list. Like, Okay, God, I'll do this. I'll dream again. I'll hope again. And I started writing down this list, and it was a list of like where I wanted to go next and what I was hoping to do and. I was hoping to get married, you know, all this list. And within the next year, everything I wrote down in that moment happened. It was crazy. I've never seen that kind of like answered like so quickly, like the 14-year promise and then this one in a year. I wrote down like four things and every one of them happened. And that year he was saying, what do you want? And I actually asked and believed, and he exceeded the expectation and met me in every one of those places. What do you want? What are you asking God for? Are you asking for the things that seem impossible? Are you asking God to breathe life on that dream again? Are you asking him for the thing that feels so scary to ask because if he doesn't meet you, are you going to feel pain and disappointment? Maybe, but he's going to still exceed your expectation because that's who he is. There's so many examples of him exceeding expectations in the scriptures. And and the moment where he feeds the 5,000, I love that. I love that he's like, oh, I won't just like cut up these few pieces of fish like really small. I think I would have done that. I would have been like, okay, how do I make this feed all of these people? I'll like cut little, here's a sliver. Feast on that and hopefully you'll survive. I wouldn't have thought, I'll just bless it, multiply it, and we'll have so much that you'll all have more than you need. He's like, I'll exceed their expectation. I'm going to feed them and more actually than they can even eat. That's who he is. I love that. Um, And even the way he come, the way Jesus came, he exceeded the expectation, but a lot of people missed him on how he showed up. They expected him to come a certain way. And when he didn't come that way, they're like, this isn't Jesus. This is someone that's um, a heretic like he actually isn't Jesus because if he was he would have come like I thought and the ones that didn't miss him like oh the expectation he exceeded what they ever he didn't just come to save them from their sins he came them to restore the whole world back to redeem the whole earth like he came to give them the same authority he was walking in they just thought okay if only they'll save me if only Jesus would come to save me if he comes to save me if he comes to like Make my like internal world not feel like such a black hole or like heal my physical body, that would be enough. And he's like, No, I'm actually going to do more than that. I'm going to come to heal you, to rescue you from your sins, to set you free, to give you a new life, and put my spirit in you so you can have the same power I walked on the earth with to do more than I did when you walked the earth. He exceeded our expectations when he told the disciples, Ah, oh, you know what, I'm going to leave, but guess what, I'm sending someone better. And they're like, no, 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 you, nobody could be better than you, Jesus. Like, stay. He's like, no, the Holy Spirit's better. He says the Holy Spirit's better, and I'm sending that for you. He exceeded the expectation of just him being with us. And I think so often we're like, oh, if only Jesus was walking with us today. Like, obviously that would be really fun. But he's like, you have something better. Like, don't miss out because you don't think it's better. It's better. I told you it'd be better for you than if I were here. Jesus came to give resurrection life. Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. I love this part um, because the word get up actually is awaken, rise up. It's the same word he uses um, in in the scriptures for other miracles when he's resurrecting someone from the dead. So this man's not dead. But he, Jesus wasn't just healing this man in this moment. It wasn't like, oh, let me go be a rebel and heal this guy on the Sabbath. He also knew that he had a bigger mission and vision from God. He healed the man, but in the way he healed him by saying and releasing resurrection power, he was demonstrating, this is actually what I'm called to do on the earth. It's resurrection. That's what I'm trying, I wanna resurrect this system. I wanna resurrect this man. I want everyone to know that while I'm here on earth, it's because I'm giving resurrection life anywhere I go. That's what he was doing. He's like, get up. He was like, be resurrected. Be resurrected from the dead, from your dead body. He's saying, I want the system now to see that this moment is to resurrect the ideas that they thought their whole life was based on. They had had planted their whole religious system on this idea. And he's like, no, I'm resurrecting that. I'm Mm -hmm. restoring it back to the original intent. I love that it's the same word as when he healed Lazarus. The same word, get up, be resurrected. I felt this morning for some of us that you're just laying there after he's already said, get up. And he's inviting you, not in a condemning, cruel way. He's saying, get up. I actually made you for more. It's not too late. Get up. I've made you to do that thing that's inside your heart to do. I've made you to do the thing you haven't even dreamt about because you've been too afraid to dream. Get up. You actually can be raised from the dead in this moment by one word with Jesus. It took one word from Jesus to say, get up, and everything changed for that man. The last thing I want to say about this is Jesus knew his season, or, which is such a funny thing in the church to say, know your season, (laughs) sorry. I'm not trying to make fun of it, I say it all the time. But he knew his purpose. He knew the season he was in. He healed on the Sabbath, which obviously was against the law for him to do, but he knew he was only doing what the Father was showing him to do. And though the system said not to in that moment, he knew, I'm not supposed to be resting. I'm supposed to be working. I'm, my, I'm actually in a place where I'm supposed to be working and releasing resurrection in this moment. So I'm gonna do it. And so many times I've seen, if we don't know our season, we're actually missing out on all of the grace to flow from that place in our life. Yeah. If, if I was in a season of rest right now, or thought I was, and God was actually like, no, I made you to work. You need to be dreaming. There's something in you I want you to build. But I was like, oh, no, I think I'm supposed to be resting. I would miss that entire season of building with God and the grace to do it. The supernatural, not in my own strength, but there's actually a supernatural release that heaven gives when you're in the season he's called you in. It it is beautiful to do it with community. In your home groups, like, if you're not sure what season you're supposed to be in, that's the place to be like, hey, can we pray? I actually don't know and affirm from other people, like prophetic words over your life. Know the season God's called you in. Jesus knew the season, and if you didn't, he might not have healed that man. That man waiting for 38 years might have still been laying there after if he wouldn't have known the season by knowing what the Father was doing and doing it. Um, I've said it a billion times. I want us to know Jesus exceeds our expectations. Jeff and I moved to Boston last June Um, Julian and Katia so bravely asked us to join them in this move from running all the way to Boston Um, and it was such a wild decision for us to make and faith to come and obviously we came during COVID where it's not the easiest time to meet friends. My little extroverted self has died a few times this last year like please send me a friend. but we came, and it was such a hard decision in the moment. But after settling in that that's what God was saying, we've done it, and we've been here. And um, if we're really honest, we've had so many moments this last year that have been really hard or disappointing. Or, yeah, we're like, ah, oh, man, this is challenging to move to a city and live in a place that has not felt like home naturally to us. Um, obviously, this aspect of what we're getting to do has been really beautiful and life-giving to be a part of the table, but all of the other aspects of our life has just been stretching, and it's doing all this hard stuff um, in us, and as I was sitting, just remembering all the ways in my whole life in Jesus, how he's exceeded my expectations, I'm like, oh no, he's going to exceed our expectations in bringing us to Boston. He didn't bring us here for us to be like, well... <laughs> missed that one and we'll figure it out like we just got to buy this beautiful house that's I shared I think last week or the week before it's bigger than any house we've lived in and we're in Boston like that's actually a miracle in itself because I don't know if you've seen the places in Boston they're tiny and very expensive and it's even in the the small moments where we haven't seen the fulfillment or the promise or even the dreams we have in our hearts to take place in Boston yet, and we found ourselves facing disappointment or pain, we can stand in this place of, no, he's going to exceed our expectation, and he's going to do it because we, one, believe that he's going to do it, and we have these, like, firm um, words from the Lord and in ways that we can look back on our history of like he's done it before and he's going to do it and he's done it all throughout scripture so just because my feeling in a moment is telling me oh no I like don't know what we're doing he actually is going to exceed our expectations and bringing us to Boston if I knew Jesus was going to w- walk up after 38 years of sitting there and heal me in a word I don't think I'd be too concerned with how long or how many painful moments I had up to that point because afterwards, my life, it would have been worth it. It would have been worth it. I think in some moments we question like, oh, how's it gonna feel if I still am disappointed? And then he shows up, am I gonna have all these other areas of question or pain? I don't think in that moment, we're gonna question the goodness of God. I think if God came up and with one word, changed everything for us, it would exceed our expectations. This is the Sunday morning podcast from The Table, Boston, where you'll find the latest teachings from our Sunday meetings. Find more from us at thetableboston.com.